right, we are live. Welcome to episode 3 of Wrestling with Wrestling on the Rational Rage Podcast Network. I'm your host, SVS, hailing from the 415, the Sucker Free, the City by the Bay. As my colleague and friend BG were about to say the 415. So today, I'm going to recap the past week, mostly focusing on WWE, and just share some general thoughts, but I'm going to touch on a few things uh, in the AEW realm as well. But, before we get to all that, I did want to touch on something that uh, was pretty near and dear to me, that... uh. That hit me pretty hard. We lost a good one this week. We lost a legend. This year, man, just seems terrible, man. It seems like every day you turn around, the news is reporting someone someone famous that died. And, you know, celebrity worship isn't the best thing in the world, but there's a reason why we take notice. You know, a lot of these people, whether it's in film or music or whatever... You know, they, they, they affect us. They, they, they speak to us in some way. So it hurts when they're gone. Those of you who know me know that I am a, a big wrestling fan, but I'm also a big film fan. And I'm also into combat sports. I love watching boxing and MMA, and I'm a martial artist, and the first martial art that I really seriously didn't commit myself to was judo. And all of that being said, this past week, we lost judo Gene LaBelle. This man was a legend. He started training in boxing and catch wrestling as a kid, if my information's right, under Ed the Strangler Lewis, Carl Gotch, and one of my father's old favorites, Lou Thez. He then trained in judo, hence his nickname, and he trained at the Kodokan in Japan. That's like the birthplace of judo. That's that's the place to go. That's where you want to train judo. And, uh, you know, I bring up the film thing because he was also a Hollywood stuntman. He doubled for George Reeves. He was, he was a Superman stunt double. And he also took on Bruce Lee uh, in The Green Hornet when... Uh, when he um, when he was playing Cato. In fact, they're saying that um, you know, for anybody who saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, that Brad Pitt's character Cliff Booth was uh, based on Judo Jean LaBelle, which makes sense, given that they that uh, Quentin Tarantino had uh, Cliff Booth and Bruce Lee throw down. And given the fact that the one bit of offense Cliff Booth really got on Bruce Lee was a grapple hold, which makes sense, Judo Gene. The way the real story goes, Judo Gene picked up Bruce Lee in uh, what I believe was sort of like a fireman's carry. Bruce Lee was absolutely livid, didn't know what to do, started screaming, let me down or I'm going to kill you. Judo Gene then said, I can't let you down, because if I do, you'll kill me. <laughs> and that, uh, that was very Gene, 
Like, like from what I've heard, you know, people that say that they met Gene LaBelle, you know, he had a really good sense of humor. And that, that broke Bruce. He got him to kind of laugh, and he said, okay, okay, look, just let me down. I tell you what, I won't kill you if you show me how you did that. Which, you know, it's par for the course with Bruce Lee because, you know, they call him the, the godfather of mixed martial arts for a reason because, you know, he wanted to incorporate different styles. So he wanted to learn how Gene LaBelle picked his ass up like it was nothing. Speaking of early roots of mixed martial arts, another thing about Gene LaBelle, a lot of people talk about Ali facing Antonio Inoki in a, uh early MMA match before MMA became MMA. Many people would say that uh, Gene LaBelle was in the first ever MMA match. Fought the boxer Milo Savage in 1963, and he won via rear naked choke. Before I move on and get to why you guys are here, the wonderful world of sports entertainment, just want to share one last story. It's also said that Gene LaBelle was dared by Steven Seagal to try to choke him. Apparently, Gene LaBelle not only choked him out, but when he choked him out, he made him shit his pants. That right there makes Gene LaBelle a hero in my eyes. <laughs> so, R.I.P. Judo Gene LaBelle. SmackDown did a nice little tribute. It would have been nice if it was at the top of the show, but I understand he wasn't a wrestler signed under WWE or anything, even though he did professionally wrestle. So, so yeah, R.I.P. Judo Gene. Lived a long life. And, uh, yeah, on to the show, on to some wrestling. So, once again, Triple H is, uh, proving that he's, uh, really a guy that you want in charge. He's, he's really booking the hell out of these shows, man. Um, we're seeing hints of what he did in NXT on the main shows now, on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, of course, it's not quite the same. But, you know, it, it, the shows are just getting a lot, lot better. I know there's still some people that have some conspiracy theories. I know uh, Mr. CM Punk, we'll touch on him a little later, uh, has insinuated that Vince is probably still running things beyond the scenes, calling in, telling his uh, daughter and son-in-law, do this, do that. I think you should do this. You should do that. He's really running the operation from behind the scenes sort of a shadow government kind of way. Now, I'm not saying that's impossible or that I wouldn't, you know, that I would put it past Vince. I definitely wouldn't, but I think the quality of programming we've been seeing lately on WWE really, really tells me that that is not happening because we're seeing things that he would not have done, things that he should have done, that I wish he would have done. So, Let's kick it off, huh? So, on uh, Monday, you know, they talked about um, something that I was saying for a while. I was like, you know, what whatever happened to this whole thing with the tag titles? After, Sa- uh, well, excuse me, the women's tag titles. Uh, after Sasha and Naomi walked out, because of Vincent John Laurinaitis, who are gone, uh, they said that, you know, they were going to do a tournament to crown new women's tag title champions. And then they never said anything else about it. I figured it was because they were trying to get the two back. Um, you know, uh, Sasha once, according to her, had a burnout um, after WrestleMania a few years ago and wanted to leave, and Vince told her, you just need a break. 
you're just burnt out, so take a break, and uh, that'll be it. You'll be good. So, I think the reason why they didn't really move forward with the tournament, in part, was because they were trying to get her back and hold off. But also because, you know, one of the things that pissed Sasha off, a lot of things pissed her off, for better or worse. One of the things that I think justly, justifiably pissed her off so Vince didn't give a shit about the women's tag titles. He did not give one flying fuck at all. And uh, now it seems like they're doing it again. But they're doing it after a lot of rumors are saying that they're coming back. So, an idea that I had, I'm not trying to say that I'm some genius predictor or anything like that, but something that I was saying they should do, and it looks like they're probably going to do it, I would hope, is they are bringing back the women's tag titles, and they are doing a tournament, just like they said. Of course, Sasha and Naomi are not in it. So, what I'm thinking should and could happen, this tournament plays out, we get to the final match. Not sure if this would be at Clash of the Castle. It would make sense if it was. And uh, whoever, whatever team wins the match, either when they win the match or when they're about to win the match, we have the return of Sasha Banks and Naomi. They jump them. They beat them down. No, we are the real women's tag champs. And boom, they're back. Crowd goes crazy. It writes itself. So, let's see if that happens, huh? Also, I'm really, really liking what they're doing with Bailey. Um, her and Dakota Sky... Oh no, excuse me, Dakota Kai and Eo Sky. Uh, really make for a great little villain stable. I like them a lot. Um, Bailey's doing a really good job as kind of their mouthpiece or their manager, if you will. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, I want to see where they go with it. And, uh, you know, some there's some rumblings on the internet that it might lead to war games. Um, I think uh, Dakota Kai recently hinted at it as well on social media. She made a post saying something to the effect of, uh, I smell war while well, I'm game. So, we'll see. That would be pretty sweet if they did. And, uh... Yeah, they um they seem to continue to be speaking of teams building up to a couple of breakups. The first one being the Street Profits. They came out and uh, Angelo Dawkins had a match, and Montez Ford uh, really seemed to act strange. Kind of seemed to be really kind of just you know, uh, being sort of antagonistic, I guess you would say. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it just seems like they're really laying the groundwork for that team to split. Um, and if they do, it would suck because I really think that WWE needs more of a solid tag team roster. And I like tag teams like the Street Profits where they are a tag team. It's not, you know, let's take this guy who's floating around with nothing to do. And let's pair him up with this guy who's floating around and has got nothing to do. And, you know, and oftentimes that formula ends up being in, like, the odd couple, buddy cop kind of thing. Um, don't get me wrong, it's worked in the past. I mean, the Rock and Sock Connection, one of the greatest tag teams ever. Um, I think Austin teamed with Mick Foley as Dude Love uh, once, so that was pretty amusing. 
Taker and Kane were the Brothers of Destruction. Um, most recently, uh, Cesaro and uh, Sheamus were a great tag team together. So it could work. But I really like when you have teams like the Street Profits, the Usos, the Viking Raiders, you know, true tag teams. And uh, Vince always wanted to split those guys up. Did it with heavy machinery, you know. Um, and I understand a lot of them do eventually break up. Um, DIY, of course, split up way back when in NXT. Which would be interesting to see if uh, if they bring back uh, The Way, Johnny Gargano and uh, Candice LeRae. If Gargano and uh, Ciampa will team back up. Which, by the way... <coughs> Excuse me. Another thing that Trips is doing really well, and that we're seeing the uh, the the positive effects of, is you know letting these wrestlers do what they do on the mic, because Champa killed it in a in his promo, um, on Monday, with the Harley race robe hanging in the back, and he just he. That was NXT Tommaso Ciampa. I mean, you saw that psychotic look in his eyes. I mean, you really felt it. I mean, it was really, really damn good. And um, going back to the team breakups, seems like the long-awaited breakup that we all knew would happen between Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio uh, might just happen. Uh, finally. You know, there's a segment where... Um, I believe it was last week, Edge accidentally speared uh, Dom. So they cut to uh, backstage at one point, and Edge, you know, apologized and said, you know, hey, we cool, you know, he knows a mistake, right? That kind of stuff happens, and Dominic got kind of pissy and said, yeah, yeah, we're cool, and then he uh, shoved Edge really hard. And um, then, you know, when Ray tried to calm him down and, you know, relax the situation. Dom kind of flew off the handle, you know. I'm your son. You're, you're taking his side and not me, you know. And So, yeah, it seems very much now like he might finally be having his reason to turn against his uh, dear old dad. Um, if we're forgetting that, apparently, at one point in kayfabe, it seemed Eddie Guerrero was his, uh, <laughs> his dad. But, uh, yeah, it seems like they're definitely building up to that. And um, that seems like a good enough reason as any. Um, feels a little soon. Hopefully they should be stretching it out a bit. Because, I mean, if you're going to break them up, I feel like the match that you really want them to face off at is uh, WrestleMania, obviously. You know, especially if it's a retirement match for Ray, where he passes down the mantle to his son. But... You know, I'm getting ahead of myself. We don't know uh, if that's what's going to happen. As uh, one of my old favorites, the human suplex machine Taz likes to say. But I digress. Uh, they touched on it a little bit. But then, you know, later on, Ray had a uh, match with um, with uh, someone from Judgment Day. I believe it was Finn Balor. And um, yeah, it was. And they put on a banger of a match. I remember thinking to myself, what a, before it even started, like, dang, what a match. Rey Mysterio and Finn Balor. This should be really good. And it was. And, um, you know, that's another thing that we're hearing that Triple H is doing. Is, uh, I touched on him letting them have 
their freedom on the mic, he's apparently letting them call their own spots in the ring, you know, and uh, instead of scripting like 90% of the match out, which is great, you know, that's part of what it is to be a professional wrestler, you know, you, you, you know how to feed off the crowd, tell a story on the fly, adjust if you have to because of the crowd. And, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Like I say, there's, there's a bit of balance. You don't have to be like Tony Khan in AEW where you just let them do whatever they want because we see a lot of ways in AEW where that backfires. But with WWE, it really backfired when they micromanaged everything. Just like anyone who's worked in the business where your boss is micromanaging, you know, it ruins shit. So, you know, they, they, um, they put on a hell of a match. And uh, then Rhea came out, and she she had Dominic with like she beat the shit out of him. So that kind of I bring that up because I, I kind of remembered that, and it's like, well, are they gonna turn Dominic? Maybe that's just a ploy. Wrestling has done kind of goofy shit like that before, where someone turns, and even though they turn, you're kind of like, you know. I remember, I think. A buddy of mine was telling me about an old WCW one where Hulk Hogan, uh, I think he had, when he was in WCW, he had Brutus uh, join uh, the Dungeon of Doom or whatever, and then, you know, it turned out that Brutus was really with Hulk Hogan the whole time. It was a stubble swerve, but, you know, like, Brutus had beat the shit out of Hogan, giving him a bunch of chair shots, and, you know, it's like, really? That was your guy on the inside? That's what you went through for this little spy uh, game? So who knows? Maybe uh, something else later on down the road makes Dominic turn. Maybe this is all just a ploy and he wasn't really beat up. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that's just further part of it. Maybe Dominic's telling Ray, why don't you come and save me? Why don't you come find me? Because before the match, Ray did tell Edge that he couldn't find Dominic and he was upset, so... Who knows where they're going with that. But I am liking it, though. I'm liking it. Judgment Day is uh, kind of coming into their own a bit. Um, it seemed kind of cool at first, and it kind of fell off the rails. But now I feel like it's kind of coming together again a bit. And, um, yeah, for those of you, if you can hear my cat, I apologize. Molly really wishes she could be co-hosting with me. But I gotta keep her out of the room, or else this will be a train wreck. So, uh... Yeah, then later on we saw Kevin Owens uh, absolutely destroy Ezekiel. I mean, he just, he, he practically murdered the guy. And um, I like this because, um, A, I've always been a big Kevin Owens mark. And not just because I kind of look like him. But um, also, I've just been a really big fan of him. I, I'd like to see him in a very important role. And... Um, I like Ezekiel. I like what they did. Um, but it seemed like the whole gimmick was predicated on this joke about, you know, when he was driving Kevin Owens insane, when Owens was trying to call him out for really being Elias in disguise and him saying he wasn't. And we did it. We did it. The joke ran his course. I mean, how much longer can you milk that thing, you know? Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to last forever so what else do you do with ezekiel so maybe this was just to elevate ko which i hope it was but i hope also that it was sort of uh 
twofold endeavor. One, to, K- to elevate KO, to make him seem like that much more monstrous of a heel, and that much more important. But, you know, maybe it, like, literally kills the character of Zeke, and uh, he comes back as Elias. Now, I don't know if they'll actually do that, but that would be pretty great, because I think Elias has a lot more you can do with him. There's a lot more that you can work with there. But uh, I think they also mentioned in, in Third Older Brother, so, you know, if they want to go for gags, maybe he'll come back as a third character. Pula McFoley. Now he's got three faces. And he'll be the oldest brother, and he'll, you know, go after KO for beating up uh, Ezekiel. I'll be kind of goofy, but I could see them doing it. You gotta have a little bit of goofiness and comedy mixed in with your wrestling. You, you got to. For better or worse, sometimes. And, uh, yeah, you know, another thing. Finally, thank you, thank you, thank you, Triple H, for making the secondary titles, the United States Championship and the Intercontinental Championship, feel important. They did this video package showing the history of the United States Championship, all the, the, the mega stars that have held it. And man, it just it got me kind of pumped up. It was like, yes, I know this. This is how important this title is. I'm glad it seems like you guys are finally realizing it. WWE, about goddamn time. It's no longer just a piece of jewelry being passed around. It seems like something important. You know, like like one. You know, here's my old man get off my lawn moment. But you know, back in my day when I was a kid, I remember Shawn Michaels and you know Scott Hall, R.I.P. Having that epic, epic ladder match at WrestleMania 10 for the Intercontinental title. I mean, that was such a match. Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage. WrestleMania 3. believe Bret Hart and Roddy Piper also had an insane match for the IC title. So did Bret Hart and British Bulldog, I think. I mean, you know, it, it's, it, it was a very, very important title. And for a long time now, both that and the United States title have felt useless, pointless, like just props. The only time in recent memory that they felt important were when John Cena held the United States Championship, and every single week he would do the John Cena United States Championship Open Invitational. Every single week he'd kick off the show, come out and say, whoever wants some, come get some. We'll have a U.S. title match right now. That made it feel fairly important. And uh, for the Intercontinental title, The Miz, he did a great job of making it feel important because that was his baby. He did the most heel shit. He he did the most villainous shit. He did whatever he could to hang on to that title because that was his baby. That's how important it was to him. But other than that, other than those two instances, you know, they didn't feel important, but now they're starting to. And I know it's going to take more than video packages, but sticking with Raw right now, the U.S. title specifically, they did that amazing video package. Champa did that fire promo where he was this psycho, crazy guy. <clears throat> Came out with the Harley Race robe and, and took on Bobby Lashley, the United States Championship, and it felt like a main event match. I mean... They put on a banger. They they really went at it. It was great. 
it was great. So so bravo Lashley, bravo Champa, and bravo Triple H and WWE for finally making this title feel important. It's about goddamn time. Uh, you know, then you know we had the Miz, the main event that was Miz and AJ Styles, and um, it was a great match. But the ending to that match, that's what sold the show. That's what sold the show. And what was that ending? Well, let me rewind it a little bit for you folks. One thing I didn't mention earlier was after Kevin Owens uh, obliterated poor Ezekiel, he did a promo or an interview backstage. An interviewer caught up with him in the parking lot. And in the background, there was a car crash. You didn't see the crash. You saw the aftermath of it. Saw a couple of wrestlers. You saw a bunch of officials, what seemed to be uh, law enforcement, all standing around the car. What was very cool and very smart was they did not acknowledge it. Kevin Owens and the person interviewing him, I believe it was the uh, the Irish guy. I should know his name since uh, he's Irish, but <laughs> I can't remember right now. Kevin Owens did the whole thing about, you know, I'm putting everyone on notice, you know, I'm making sure everyone knows, blah, 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 blah. Neither him or the person interviewing him acknowledged the car accident behind them. <coughs> Excuse me. Neither did commentary. And that made it seem real. Now, I'm not saying that I thought it was real, but that really helped sell it. That made you curious about it. What's going on with that red car crash in the back? That's really, really interesting. So then later on in the show, before the main event, um, two things here to bring up. First of all, even though it seems like Kevin Dunn is not fired, unfortunately, and some of his directing that I do not like remains, unfortunately, there are some things that, I don't know if he got right or if Triple H specifically requested this, but they did a smooth transition before that main event where, I forget who it was, those two girls that are going to face Alexa Bliss and uh, Asuka. They cut a promo, and then it cut to Alexa Bliss and Asuka rebuttling them. And they said their little bit, oh yeah, well, we're going to kick your ass, basically. That's what promos all are at the end of the day. And then they kind of turned the camera, and then AJ Styles just happened to be walking by to go to the tunnel to come off his main event. That was great. That was a seamless, nice little transition that was done in real time, one take. Really cool, really cool stuff. I liked that. But going back to the car crash bit and the ending of Raw. Before they did that transition where the camera turned and you saw AJ, in the middle of Alexa Bliss and Asuka's promo, when Alexa was talking into the camera and saying she's they're going to kick their ass and blah, blah, a bunch of cops ran past Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Just kind of almost shoved them out of the way, just try to squeeze past them and, and, and run past them. And once again, they were no-sold. Alexa kind of looked at them. Her eyes kind of drifted over, and, and clearly she saw the cops. And I think her eyes even widened a tiny bit, like, oh, what was that? Very, very good subtle acting on the part of Alexa Bliss. 
she is going to be we've seen this happen with a few guys in in wrestling i think she's going to be one of the first females to do it like she is going to become a big star i think like outside of wrestling in terms of acting she's got really good subtle facial mannerisms anyways enough about me drooling over alexa and her many talents um she saw the cuss but she didn't really react or, or you know oh what was that no she just saw them and then continued on with her promo and again the commentators didn't mention anything no oh what was that what do you think that was about oh i don't know no not none of that so then we get to the main event aj and aj styles and the miz they put on a pretty great match aj wins and when he wins that car crash and the cop thing, a little bit of a payoff. You start to see some people in the crowd kind of looking away from the match in AJ, looking away from the ring. And uh, they kind of start to react. And usually when that happens in wrestling, or hell, even boxing, UFC, any kind of sport, it usually means that there's like a fight in the crowd. Or some crazy fan trying to jump the barricade. So even AJ kind of started to look. And when he looked, the camera kind of panned over a little bit. Usually when it's something like that, when it's like a fan trying to jump over for real, they, they don't really give them the time of day. They, 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 don't, they don't show them on TV because they don't want to encourage them. So they did show him, but they were trying kind of not to. The camera was kind of staying on AJ, but it kind of followed him when he went over to look and didn't really focus on, on the, co- the commotion. But you did see it. Someone was trying to jump the barricade and a bunch of cops were holding him down. When they finally started to drag him away, we saw it was Dexter Loomis. Holy shit. What a fucking payoff. That explains the car crash thing. That explains the cops running around because they were trying to find him. I mean, what a payoff. And the fact that he maybe seemingly has nothing to do with AJ, but he's trying to jump the barricade and attack him. I mean, that fits the whole Dexter Loomis crazy thing. If, if you guys are getting back into wrestling or you didn't watch NXT, Dexter Loomis was great in NXT. He played a psychopath. He came out with this weird song that was extremely similar to the Stranger Things theme. He had like these black leather gloves on. I mean, like he just he was, he was like a psychopath, like a killer, and he was just silent, you know. But he also was worked into a really good comedic angle with Johnny Gargano and his group The Way when he got romantically involved with Indy Hartwell, who they sort of kept as a daughter figure. But that's neither here nor there. Dexter Loomis was another unfortunate uh, result of Vince McMahon's budget cuts, which we now wonder if that was for all that fucking hush money that he got in hot water for and dexter uh is back and um the way they did it was so good and for the first time in a long long time i'm actually really curious about what's gonna happen on monday night raw next week well I think I should say tonight, because I think when this episode will be posted and aired, it'll be Monday. So yeah, if you're listening to this on Monday, goddamn, I cannot wait to see what they're going to do tonight. You know, and I don't want to get into this big circle jerk about Triple H, you know, running. I mean, you know, it's not perfect yet, but I mean, it's a hell of a lot better. I mean, there is so much more wrestling. I saw something online 
that talked about, um, you know, the amount of wrestling that we've actually seen. The last week that Vince was in complete control, there was 47 minutes of wrestling on Monday Night Raw. Keep in mind, Monday Night Raw is a three-hour program. In three hours, they had 47 minutes. Yeah. The next week, the first show with Triple H in control, it jumped to 64 minutes of wrestling. Then the week after that, the first show without any influence from Vince whatsoever, controlled entirely by Triple H, had 80 minutes of wrestling. So we went from 47 in a three-hour show to 63 to 80. I mean, that's pretty great. We're seeing a lot more wrestling, and that's fantastic. Um, and, you know, the booking, the, the way he just handled the Dexter Loomis thing, that was fantastic. For the first time, I care about seeing what's going to happen in the next episode, because I want to see what they're going to do with Dexter Loomis. Is he after AJ? Is he going to go after AJ Styles? Is this starting a new feud, or is he going to be this wild card psychopath that just goes after whoever, whatever, kind of like a more serious version of Butch on SmackDown? I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be great. So, that was Raw. Going to um, SmackDown. Uh, you know, we make fun of AEW and some of their botches, but, uh, this opening tag team match had a couple of bad ones, uh, particularly a really bad one with Raquel Gonzalez, where she was supposed to break up a, uh, pin count. I'm sorry, I should start by saying what the match was. It was a tag team match with, uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Aaliyah against, um, Shotzi, Blackheart, and, uh, Ah, man, who was Shotzi uh, facing in that match? I want to say it was, oh, yeah, it was Zia Lee. Zia Lee. Good to see that she's uh, getting some action, and um, glad to see that uh, Shotzi and Ali are getting some action, too. I'm a bit of a fan of Shotzi. Um you know, she's like a big horror movie fan, as I am, and she's uh, apparently local from the Bay Area. So, you know, I'm a bit of a mark for that kind of stuff. Um, and Aaliyah, well, I just like seeing her on my television screen. What can I say? Uh, so, yeah, it was good to see her there. And um, good match. Even though, like I said, there was a pinfall where I think Raquel was supposed to break the pin, but she definitely wasn't... <laughs> When you're supposed to break up the pin, you're supposed to be get there before the three count. I think she got there by four and a half, and then Aaliyah just had to kick out on her own to just, you know... Which, by the way, good on her for doing. And that's one thing that I gotta give a uh, WWE credit for, is... Usually, when there are botches, they kinda have these... I think they probably learned this in NXT. They have some, some audibles that they can kinda call in the meantime. With AEW, they kinda just happen. It's just like, oh shit. But Aaliyah saw that Raquel wasn't going to get there in time, so she kicked out on her own. So it didn't look too bad, but, you know. And I don't want to do this whole pointing out botches on different shows and have a botch count meter or something. I mean, they happen. Jericho was right, they do happen, but, you know. Anyways. 
it was a pretty good match. Um, afterwards, I did a carry and cross promo. So glad he's back. I mean, yeah, that that was insane when they brought him back. I was so happy. Um, and he's back with Scarlet once again. Another person I am very happy to see on my television screen and look at. Um, but you know, again. Not to beat a dead horse, but this goes back to the whole thing about this new era we're in with Triple H running things and how great I think it's going to be. Because, you know, Karrion Cross, like so many other poor souls, uh, did great in NXT. He was over. His gimmick worked. And it was just like, dude, all you got to do is just take all of that, highlight, select all, copy, and paste on the big show, on, on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. And no, what did they do? They brought him up without Scarlet. They put some weird gimp mask on him. I mean, it just, it was, it was so bizarre and so weird. And of course it didn't work. Oh, oh, and then on top of that is he, he loses to an old Jeff Hardy. So, I mean, you know, it felt like it was sabotaged and doomed before he could even really get started. So now what do they do? They have they debuted him last week by having him attack Drew McIntyre out of the blue. Oh my god, Karrion Cross is back. Holy shit, he just attacked Drew McIntyre. And then Scarlet puts her little hourglass down as a message for Roman. Which is great. So now that this this title picture is kinda all all weird. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do, uh, but he, he, he did a good promo, and then, um, you know, uh, Drew came out and uh, cut his promo, and then the Usos attacked him, and then Scarlet came out, and, you know, it was just this kind of three-way uh, thing. You got the Usos and the Bloodline versus Drew versus Karrion Cross. We'll see how it plays out, but I'm very curious to see how it plays out, and uh, I think it's going to uh, work out pretty well. Um, yeah, and then uh, going back to what I was saying earlier about the United States title on Raw, take everything I just said about you know making those titles feel important. Copy, paste on SmackDown. Do the same, same thing with the Intercontinental title, because... Again, they did another package, a video package of the Intercontinental's history. The history of great champions that held it, great matches that it was won in. And and it made you feel like the title is important. Just like Raw did with the United States Championship, the Intercontinental title felt important. Now, I will say that this has been happening for a little while, though. When As soon as Gunther, which I hate saying that, He's always going to be Walter to me, but uh, Gunther, when he beat uh, Ricochet for the title and then started doing his the age-old foreign heel, you know, this title is important, that's why I'm holding it, and it will never again be held by an American, ha ha ha. As soon as he did that, it was starting to feel a bit more important. But they're taking it to another level with the video package that they did, and then building up this match between him and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, which, again, I'm so glad to see Shinsuke uh, involved in an important feud. Um, him teaming up with, uh, what's his name, uh, 
fake Freddie Mercury on steroids. Um, oh, yeah, Rick Boogs. That was fun. I like Boogs. I hope his, his uh, healing and rehab goes well. I hope he's back soon. Sad how he got injured at WrestleMania. But this is what I want to see. I want to see Shinsuke Nakamura challenging for championships and showing out, showing what he could do. <coughs> but that's for a little later. Uh, we had this cool segment where the Viking Raiders came out and Kofi attacked them. I think they were supposed to have a match. I don't know who they were supposed to have the match against. Um, but yeah, Kofi attacked them, and man, the Viking Raiders beat the shit out of Kofi. Um, sucks for Kofi. I like Kofi, uh, but I like that the Viking Raiders are seemingly being treated a bit more seriously now. Um... I really, really liked them in NXT. I thought that they had a great debut and they had a pretty good run there. Looks like maybe now with uh, Trips running things, they might have an even better run now. Their fight with Kofi was brutal, man. It was brutal. And uh, hopefully that thing with the New Day ends pretty soon and then the Chauncey Usos for the SmackDown Tag Champs and I would love for them to actually win them. And, uh, yeah, because, look, the bloodline is great, most dominant force right now, but kind of starting to get a little old right now with both the Usos and Roman holding all the belts. So, yeah, it'd be cool if they actually won the SmackDown titles from the Usos and uh, make the Usos defend the Raw titles on Raw. Maybe they could have a back and forth with the Viking Raiders as well to try to get those titles back. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they do there. Um, now, maybe the Viking Raiders were supposed to face the next people we saw in the ring. It was these two uh, jobbers. And I like that they're bringing back this thing that they used to do a lot when I was a kid, which was to elevate certain stars. They would just have a jobber, some no-name generic guy. This is John Johnson from this town that we're filming in. He's just got plain blue trunks, and he looks like he works second shift somewhere, you know, and <laughs> moonlights as a wrestler. And then you have your star come out and just squash him. That's what they call a squash smash. They just come out there and beat the crap out of him. So maybe the Viking Raiders were going to come out and do it to these guys. I don't know. But these guys were in the ring when we came back from commercial. And surprise, surprise, Hit Row is back. They came out to fight these guys. And, um... There were some people in the crowd that seemed very excited. Um, some people didn't. Uh, it seemed like a kind of a mixed reaction. Hit Row. I don't know how everyone feels about Hit Row. Um, I know for me personally, I don't really have anything against them, but I'm just wondering if they're really going to be a team that in the long run a lot of people care about. Um, especially because when Hit Row first started in NXT, for those who don't know, recap for those who do, um, you know, they were led by Swerve. They, they were kind of his, his cronies, his lackeys, you know, and as we all know, Swerve is now locked up in AEW. So now it's just the other two guys and, uh, their lady, uh, B-Fab. And she seemed to be kind of uh over with the crowd uh she seems to be like a slightly more charismatic jade cargill uh 
Yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't know how her wrestling is though. I've heard from someone who saw some of her matches that she's on the same level as Jade, if not maybe a bit below her. Uh, for comparison's sake. Um but yeah, we'll see how they do. But yeah, they came out, they squashed the team, they cut a promo. Fans seem to be pretty down with it, so uh yeah, who knows? The women's title on SmackDown that that got addressed. Uh, Ronda came out. Um, she had a suspension and a fine in kayfabe, and so she she kind of jumped the barricade like she wasn't supposed to be there because she's still suspended. And she dumped a bag full of money all over the ring, guess seemingly paying her fine, and then was told to leave. So security came to get her, and she of course beat the crap out of security because she's Ronda Rousey and uh, this I thought was odd this was before a contract signing be, uh, between Shayna Baszler who has a lot of history with Ronda Rousey in real life not so much uh, in kayfabe not necessarily bad history but just history they uh, both were they both trained together in MMA they both were friends they call themselves the four horsewomen of MMA her, Shayna and uh, these other two girls who are with Shayna Baszler in NXT, but they're no longer signed anymore, uh, Jessamyn Duke and uh, Marina Shafir. I believe Marina Shafir is in AEW right now. I don't know where Jessamyn Duke is. Uh, but yeah, those four ladies were the four horsewomen of MMA. People were wondering, oh, are we going to see the four horsewomen of MMA versus the four horsewomen of wrestling? Doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon right now, uh, especially with Marina Shafir locked up in AEW. But we have Shayna, we have Ronda. And Shayna came out as Ronda was leaving after beating the shit out of the security staff. They had this weird little confrontation, and the confrontation on Shayna's end was odd. She was telling Ronda, you know, hey, what the hell are you doing? You can't just go around beating up security like that. You gotta play by the rules, you gotta play the game. That that threw me for a loop. Shayna has always been a killer, a beast, someone who did not care about that kind of stuff. She was mean. And it was really interesting that she that she said that to Rhonda, but almost as if addressing that feeling, um, Rhonda kind of looked at her funny and said, what the hell happened to you? You used to be a killer. And then walked away. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe that's what this, maybe that's what that all was about was just to set up Rhonda saying that to light a fire under her ass. And if that's true, I hope so because I, I miss seeing the killer Shayna from NXT. I mean, she was an absolute monster and it's just weird. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of hers in, um, in NXT. I thought that she was dominating a little too long, but I did like that we had that kind of character. And then it was just jarring to see her come up to the main show on Raw. Again, this is, you know, something like a broken record. This pattern here, I'm sure you guys are noticing. She came up to Raw, and, and that was not the case. She wasn't that killer anymore. She was just there. And that was just kind of jarring, and it kind of sucked. And I was like, where's this killer Shayna Baszler? Why isn't she challenging for the title? Why isn't she holding the title? Well, again, Triple H was was doing that when she was in NXT, when he was running NXT, maybe now. Um, he's going to be doing it on the main show with her. 
And and I hope so because I I do like Shayna. I mean, she was trained by uh, Josh Barnett, who um is someone that I'm a fan of, uh, an MMA legend as well as a catch wrestler and uh, sometimes professional wrestler. And Shayna can do it. She can be that killer, you know. Um, so, so all that being said, she got in the ring and called out Liv, signed her a contract. Liv came out, and uh, you know I was really concerned about how they handled SummerSlam. Uh, where Ronda put an armbar on Liv, Liv rolled her up into a pin while in the armbar. Referee counted a three, but before they got to three, Liv tapped out. Now, I think the way they're running it is, you know, well, a tap out can't necessarily break up a pin. What really happened here, this is controversial. But I think it kind of makes Liv look unintentionally bad. I don't know if she botched it and she was supposed to tap at three, but I don't think so. I think it was planned for her to tap before three to make it controversial and make it messy. And I don't like that if that's the case because, you know, it doesn't make her look good. It doesn't make her look like the lovable baby face that we've all wanted to see hold the championship for so long. And as evidence to that, last week, fans were chanting, you tapped out to her even though they did cheer her initially. It's kind of like anytime she tries to get some momentum and say something positive about how hard she fights, they're like, uh-uh, you tapped out, you tapped out. So she came out, and she called Shayna a bootleg Ronda Rousey, which made the crowd pop really good, and even I thought that was a pretty good insult. And uh, then she signed her contract and said that, you know, she's going to kick Shayna's ass. But again, crowd started, you tapped out, you tapped out. So, as soon as that happened, Shayna, possibly because of what Rhonda said to her, proceeded to beat the ever-loving shit out of poor Liv. And what I liked about that was two things. A, it brought Shayna back to being that monster. And B, I think it garnered some support for Liv. Because, you know... Who doesn't love Liv? Come on. Everyone loves Liv Morgan. And you don't want to see her get the beat, the brakes beaten off of her, you know. But luckily for her, in the middle of the beatdown, um, or at the end of the beatdown, I should say, uh, Shayna lifted her up to set her up on the top rope, but Liv kicked off of it, held on to her, turned it into a uh, bounce-off-the-ropes uh, bulldog, bulldogged uh, Shayna through the table, knocking her out. But uh, who knows how that shoulder's going to be at uh, Clash of the Castle. Maybe Shayna's going to actually win because Liv will have an injured shoulder now after that beatdown. Then maybe we'll get Shayna versus Ronda for the title. Who knows? But, uh, you know, if, if it is for Ronda and Shayna, that could be epic. But I really would like to see Liv hang on to that title just a little bit more. And, you know, she she needed that win at SummerSlam. And I feel like they kind of botched that a bit with that messy finish. <coughs> Excuse me. So I would really like to see... Uh, I would really like to see Liv beat Shayna and, and beat her decisively, you know, to uh, to actually solidify, you know, her run. To actually not make it this kind of weird... Uh, token thing that a lot of people say, oh, that didn't really count, or that wasn't a good run, you know? So, hopefully she beats Shayna, and beats her 
clean, but hey, if she doesn't, Shayna versus uh, Ronda could be a really good match. Could be a really great feud. So later on the show, the Usos challenged uh, Drew. And uh, Drew came out, and uh, he was alone. It was two-on-one for a bit, but then Madcap Moss came out to team up with him. Which I liked, because I've been a fan of Madcap Moss. He's freakishly athletic, and I hated that stupid gimmick he was stuck in with uh, Baron Corbin, and he's finally out of that. And uh, yeah, I think Madcap could be a big deal if they use him right, so it was good to see him come out there and get some more air time and some more mat time. Uh, Ricochet was interviewed in the back and then attacked by Corbin, which again I liked because I like Ricochet and I like to see that they're still using him. They're still, they're not shuffling him around and, and forgetting about him, so, you know, he's there. So that's good. And, um, yeah, then we got to the main event. The main event was the Intercontinental title match again. No, I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm so glad that this title finally seems important. It was the main event of SmackDown. Intercontinental title on the line. Shinsuke Nakamura challenging against uh, the champion Gunther. Man, these two put on a hell of a match. Great way to end the show. Makes the title feel important. As a Shinsuke fan, I liked seeing that he was in a great match. As a Gunther fan, I liked seeing that he was in a great match. Seeing both of them in the main event. Fantastic. Fantastic. So yeah, overall, great shows. Um, Raw, I think I'm a lot more curious to see where they go. The follow-up episode, just because of the Dexter Loomis cliffhanger. SmackDown, don't get me wrong, I'm excited for SmackDown, but they didn't have that kind of cliffhanger like they like Raw did with Dexter Loomis. But um, yeah, both shows are really, really, really solid. It's a great time to be a WWE fan right now. Hell, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan right now, guys. Um, look, one thing you're going to know about me with a lot of things. You know, it seems like our society right now is really caught up in tribalism. We have this kind of gang warfare mentality. For whatever it is. Especially geek stuff. You know, I'm a PlayStation guy. Fuck Xbox. I'm an Xbox guy. Fuck PlayStation. Star Trek, no, Star Wars, or Marvel, no, DC. Hell, even, you know, car people can be, you know, you got Ford guys, you got Chevy guys, you got import guys, I mean, you know. And wrestling's no different. You know, there's a lot of AEW fans who do that stupid bullshit, you know, we're professional wrestling, WWE's just sports entertainment. First of all, it's all sports entertainment, okay? If you do quote-unquote wrestling and you're not doing combat catch wrestling you're not in the olympics or you're not in mma if you're doing it with a predetermined outcome in a four-sided ring squared circle then you are doing sports entertainment so don't you know but i get what they're saying by it and it's an insult that i always kind of hated um, but I got it to a degree, but it seems like WWE's getting a bit more like professional wrestling, less like sports entertainment. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great time to be a fan of wrestling if you're not if you're like me and you're not into that tribalist shit. If you're if you like all wrestling, look, I'm a bit more of a WWE guy, but I love AEW as well. I like both companies. I see things that both companies do well. I see both things I I see things that both companies need to work on. And uh, you know, I like them both. And I don't eat, sleep, and breathe wrestling, but if I did, holy crap, what a time to be alive. You got WWE, their D-League with NXT. You got AEW, Impact, New Japan. All of these are streaming. Hell, you could watch NWA. They're streaming now on YouTube, I think, right? There's a Fight TV. Then on Fight TV, you can see all kinds of other... Things like GCW and all kinds of other indie promotions. I mean, what a time, folks. What a time. Speaking of AEW, quick thoughts. I don't want this to be super, super long. I got work that I got to get to. I have a life like all of you. But uh, quick thoughts about AEW. CM Punk came back. That was pretty awesome. It's cool seeing him and uh, Mox uh, square off and stare down. I liked uh, that they seemed to be pushing Athena to be the biggest threat to Jade Cargill and her TBS championship. And I'm happy for Athena because I was a really, really big fan of hers when she was in NXT and WWE as Ember Moon. Uh, again, another casualty of what I've mentioned before. She was great in NXT. She was over. She won the championship. She held it. But then when she went up to the main show, it didn't really seem like they knew what to do with her. And she got cut. And <coughs> Excuse me. Now she's in AEW. She's going by Athena. And I like Jade Cargill. I think there's a lot of potential there. But uh, she's held that title for a long, long time. And it would be nice... Uh, to see Athena be the one to take it off her. I would love to see Athena get more gold. Because I'm a fan of hers. Also. I like that pang- that uh, Hangman Page. Uh, turned down the Young Bucks. To be their third man. In the Trios Championship Tournament. A buddy of mine. Sent me laughing my ass off. When he said that it should be Hangman Page. And they should call themselves the Hung Bucks. Because... That's the kind of humor that this friend of mine has. Sure enough, in that segment, the young buck said to Hangman Adam Page, Come on, be our third guy. Team with us. You and us will be the hung bucks. I lost my shit. I thought of my friend. I thought, holy crap, they actually did it. They actually said what he said. And Hangman turned them down. He's going to uh, team up with uh, his boys from the Dark Order. And uh, you know what that means. You know what that means. Something that I was saying for a little while, and I'm hoping it's going to come true. If Hangman Page isn't the third partner for the Young Bucks, maybe that means we finally get to see the return of Kenny Omega. So yeah, AEW has some good things in the works. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, man. So uh, that was the recap and uh, just some thoughts. Um, you know, so far Triple H is doing a great job. Not everything is perfect, you know. Um, there's still a lot of that overproduction. Um, I'd like to see them get rid of that, uh, whatever the hell you would call it, augmented reality or 
3D CGI, whatever, you know. You guys know what I'm talking about. When Drew McIntyre comes out, you see these big flaming swords on your screen that are above the stage. And when Bianca Belair comes out, there's this weird, like, floating pair of lips with a hair braid behind it, you know. And <laughs> I, I don't I don't get all that stuff. And the one that boggles my mind the most is for the bloodline where you see a CGI animated version of Roman Reigns and the Usos floating above the stage. Why are you showing me that in 3D animation when I'm about to see the real versions of them coming out? What is the point of that? That's, I don't know. That's just always rubbed me the wrong way. It just feels dumb. Get rid of that, please. I'd like to see them get rid of the LED turnbuckle uh, ring posts. And, uh, you know, some of that overproduction. And another thing I'd like to see is, uh, you know, Triple H, you know, I know you're not listening, but if somehow you were, <laughs> let's bring back unique sets again. Man, remember when Raw and SmackDown had their own sets? Now it's just one big giant screen for both shows. Feels lazy. They started to do it a little before the pandemic when the Fox deal happened. The SmackDown had this dope set. It was like this... These weird, I don't know what you would call them. They looked almost like parentheses or brackets. And there was like several of them kind of jutting out in a row. And the wrestlers would walk in between them. It kind of started as a tunnel for them. That was cool. And it was unique to only SmackDown. Bring back something like that. Bring back unique sets. Also, let's bring back uh, video montages. The, uh, the opening video package. The music video that opens the show. Man, I remember when I was a kid in middle school, high school, I would get so insanely pumped up during the Attitude Era when you would hear that 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 uh, war siren, that emergency siren go off. Then you saw that abandoned warehouse and Stone Cold Steve Austin walked into it and man, you saw the wrestlers going at it in that ring that was on fire and there was all those... You know, those Rottweilers barking and just this crazy video package with this insane heavy metal song. Then when the song ended, they cut to the arena and the lights were out. They had this insane set of pyrotechnics. I mean, God, you just got so pumped up. And I, I really feel that that's a big part of the reason why the crowd back then was so fucking lit. I mean, a lot of it, too, was, you know, better, better entertainment different era but i think a lot of it had to do with that that intro just pumped everyone up it got them so ready for the show and me sitting on my couch watching that man that got me so excited and you know bring something like that back let's see some video packages some pyros you know but that's not important but you know i think i think one thing i want to touch on right quick before i leave i think people need to understand triple h isn't going to be able to do everything uh, he's not going to be able to like completely change everything because stuff like what I just said, the unique sets and, and, and the pyros, and all, that stuff costs money. You know, he's running creative, but if uh, the other con, uh, I believe it's Nick Con, if him and Steph say, hey, sorry, it's not in the budget, you know, then we're not going to see it. So at the end of the day, this is still a, a business. It's still a company that aims to make money, and decisions like that could cut cut, cut into their uh, their profits. 
So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see who else Triple H might bring back. Last week we got uh, Dexter Loomis and Hit Row. Someone else coming back. Could we see Johnny Gargano? Candice LeRae? Uh, I know that there's people that I'm sure he would absolutely kill to have back, like Samoa Joe and Adam Cole. Hell, I'd kill to have those guys back too, but... And Alistair Black, or Malachi Black, as he's called now. But they're locked up in AEW, so who knows if that's going to happen. Um, You know, I'd like to see Kevin Dunn either reined in or fired altogether. For a while, I thought he was fired because the crazy zoom-in, zoom-outs of the camera, whenever someone would be punching or, or some action move would happen, and you'd see the camera just spaz out, in and out, like crazy. God, I can't stand that. And the rapid, rapid, quick cuts back and forth. That kind of calmed down a bit when Triple H took over, but now it's coming back. Now I saw some people throw some punches, and the camera was like, in, out, in, out, in, out. And it's like, why? You know, and the quick cuts and, and the, you know, I don't know. But, you know, if I have to give the devil its due, I mean, they do hide, like, botches and, and punches not connecting and stuff better than AEW do with their camera work. So there's, there is that, I guess. What else? What else is uh, something that I wish could change but probably won't? Uh, man, you know, in NXT, I was a big fan of LA Knight, and I hate the stupid gimmick that he's in as uh, Max Dupree, the, the head of that male model agency. That's such a stupid gimmick. And, I'm, and I, I had some hope when they brought in that female who was like his assistant. I thought, okay, maybe she can run the agency. And then he can go back to being L.A. Knight. But no, I think he's going to stay as Max Dupree. Because when she was talking for it, it just wasn't really working. And credit to where it's due with L.A. Knight, man. He is handling this Max Dupree thing and he is killing it. You know, he's 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 really doing well with it. Just like Pete Dunne, you know. I was upset when Vince made him into this Butch character. But, you know, Pete Dunne ran with it. And he's killing it as Butch. He's doing a great job. So, you know. So yeah, you know, it's not 100% perfect, it's not all sunshine and roses, but boy oh boy is it a hell of a lot better than where we were, I wouldn't say a year ago, but shit, just a month or two ago, I mean, we are so much in a better place. So yeah, once again, great time to be a wrestling fan, um, this should be uh, coming out on a Monday, if that's the case, and I cannot wait to see Raw tonight. Uh, hopefully you guys are excited as I am and tune in. Same with SmackDown on Friday. We'll see what they do with Dexter Loomis. I'm very, very curious to see about that. Hopefully it'll be a great show. And uh, once again, rest in peace to one of the legends of combat sports, martial arts, and pro wrestling, Judo Jean LaBelle. Um, yeah, this has been another episode of Rational Rage. Their show, Wrestling with Wrestling, episode three. And uh, I should be back next week with another recap, some more thoughts. Maybe uh, BG will be joining me once again. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out and thanks to BG and Spiro for uh, giving me the chance to co host on uh, the last episode and uh, take this ball and run it solo. So, uh, yeah, 
we'll see where this goes. Thanks for uh, staying on this ride with us. And uh, yeah, let's enjoy some wrestling. And I will see you guys next time.